everybody, welcome in to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for day two of training camp. It's our second snap judgments of training camp. That's Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. This is the podcast, and we're diving into it after what we got another four, five periods of viewing, in-depth conversations with the running backs. So let's start there. What did we learn? Berm. This is a confident group of running backs. Okay. And I'm telling you, Mine Williams says he only lost six pounds so that's from last year yeah, to now. Great. But it, it, maybe that's the case. I mean, I, I know when you're 21, 22 years old, your body changes you know, differently. And mm. six pounds may, may not look the same as it would for us. Uh, but he, he looks significantly uh, in better shape. And you really, he said he's a lot faster, you know, and I think that he was talking about how the, the, the goal is for him to be the power back. And, uh, you know, while, where Evan uh, Pryor and, and Trey Henderson are more of the, the home run hitters. And, uh, you know, people forget this guy did have a 75-yard home run against Minnesota last sure. year, right? He can get there. Looks, he can move. He more, can than people, more than he might get credit for. Yeah. Tony Alford was very passionate in his defense of him. I'm not sure what criticism he's hearing, what he felt like he had to defend Mayan Williams from. He's not unappreciated in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. That's what Tony Alford said repeatedly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I thought that was going to be a great biology lesson from Berm about <laughs> yeah. changing bodies. Uh, but when you are converting some of what he had, which was, Tony Alford also joked, baby fat and converting that into muscle, that's certainly noticeable with Mayan Williams and that, that physical transformation. Yeah, I, I don't expect him to lose any of the physicality that sort of sort of makes him what he is. But if he can add a little more agility to that, then then obviously he's a better player. And that's the thing about this room that kind of sticks out to me is there's a sort of interesting diversity of skill set. Like the, the different strengths that all these guys have really seem to complement each other really well. With Mayan's physicality, I think you know Trey short area quickness. Obviously, he can hit the home run, and Evan has that too. But the other thing that Evan Pryor has, and Tony Alford mentioned it, is, is that receiving threat that we, I think we've talked about a few times out of the backfield. But he says, you know, Evan Pryor at camp already has made a couple plays where he's down the field. You know, it's not just catch a swing pass out of the backfield. It's, it's be a threat, you know, 10, 12 yards down the field as, as a receiver. That's not something they've had a ton of in this offense from that position. So if Evan Pryor can bring that to the table, then that's how a guy like him, I think, adds a little something to this offense. I wonder if and I'm just spitballing it here, the complementary nature and the fact that all three are high-level running backs who would start virtually anywhere else in the country, I wonder if there's any sort of just risk about how you deploy it all because Ohio State will want all three to play. They know that they can all play. They know they can all produce. Like, What if, what if you get just a little too cute with it the way that they did? And I guess I just will never forget yeah, the J.K. And the 2018 season yeah. still haunts your dreams. It haunts you can me. Tell. Um, <laughs> Because I, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking to the running backs coach about that and the way that they managed it, and I know that, I know the thinking that went behind it, and then it just didn't quite get over the hump. I'm not saying that to douse the, you know, throw some water on this running back room and how talented and elite it can be. It's just sometimes if you don't just go with your best back. Sometimes you got to go with your best back. Sometimes you got to go with the hot back. So, you know, so it's about how do you find the balance and make sure everyone still gets reps. These guys have four games essentially. To decide, hey, this isn't going to work for me. And we live in such mm. a crazy world now, college football, where those first four games, something happens that they don't like. All of a sudden, it yeah. could be somewhere else. But I, I think that you have an opportunity with, because what Bill said, the complementary style of play, that it's easier to find that. I, I think with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, especially in 2018, because J.K. was trying to be a little bit more physical of a back that year for some reason to try to, I don't know if it's because Mike style, if J.K. tried to replicate that or whatever, but I, I think that these guys understand that they're different um, and, and 
talking to them all today, they've all seemed to really embrace this opportunity to say, I'm not going to have to take 25 hits a game. Sure. Um, and maybe it's 10, 15 hits a game, but as long as those 10, 15 carries are winners, then who cares? I thought they did a pretty good job of it last year. I mean, it's not it's not all that dissimilar this year. I guess you throw Evan Pryor into the mix, and that's a that's another guy who's who's kind of eaten away at the carries. But I thought they did a decent enough job of, of giving Trevion Henderson what he needed, but also working Mayan Williams in, in in what was a meaningful way without ever really bogging down the offense. And, and I suppose you give the credit to the players too. It it didn't seem like to me, or at least it wasn't as bad as 2018, that when those guys did get their touches, they didn't seem to be forcing the issue. So mm-hmm. I guess that calculus changes when now there's a third guy into that mix. That That's something that this offense hasn't had, I guess. But I, I would suppose that I saw enough last year that I wouldn't be too concerned about that. You know, I mean, we're, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Travion Henderson just because there's so much uh, interest and then potential that maybe we haven't seen with Evan Pryor. Travion Henderson... Still a very good running back. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line. Uh, did ask you know Travion and Tony Alford about the second half of last year. He was more banged up physically than they ever let on. Plus, it was also a freshman wall that was different than a normal one because he hadn't played a season In 18 prior. Months. So, yeah. uh, you know, Tony Alford was telling a story about coming off of the Tulsa game and the record-breaking performance, and that he felt tired. And, you know, kind of wanted to ease off and practice. And Tony said, well, no, no, no. That's not how this works. Uh, this is what you're going to have to do if you have to practice and you have to find that next gear. And they're, tr- they're trying to build that. I think that that's telling because that was just one month into the season. And it was already sort of catching up with them. So now add in some mat drills and a full spring camp and a summer with Mickey Mirati. See how that all pays off for him because that that could be scary. I asked Travion specifically about the Penn State game last year because it seemed to me that was sort of the line in the sand where the season changed for him. And I I didn't know if it was because the Penn State defense was that much more aggressive and that much bigger than anyone else they'd played. That was a very physical game. He got dinged up in that game. But he also had a game-winning run in that game that basically sealed the, the deal. And he said that was like the most important moment of the season for him. And that he realized at the end of last year, they played a, a run of really highly competitive games against the teams that we consider the strongest part of the schedule. And he said this year, those teams are interspersed or, you know, dispersed, yeah. dispersed throughout the, the schedule. Interspersed, dispersed, pick a spurs. They're spurs. They're spurs. They're spurs. <laughs> They're so spurs. But it starts right off the bat with Notre Dame. So you, there is no like slow burn to get there. You're going to be hit in the face game one and, and he said he's looking forward to that he said he spent the off season working out harder than he has and getting physically stronger so that he can handle that rigor so i guess we'll see anything else on the backs bill no i mean just like super impressive group of guys i think uh, the, it sort of hits me every year when we talk to this group like tony alford is very serious about his business and it really seems to permeate throughout the room i think with all these guys even dallin hayden who uh, what's he been here for like 10 days yeah uh like Super mature for for a freshman. I don't like. What's he going to do this year? Probably not much with the, with the trio in front of him. But just like very serious about his business. I think knows what it's going to take to eventually get on the field and doesn't have any like preconceived notions of like I'm I'm going to come in here and start running stuff. Like I think he there's a really good culture in that room. I yeah. think is what I was what I'm trying to get at. And, and Dallin now is the new guy. Seems to embrace that as much as anybody. Very uncommon for a, a true freshman to be talking after the second day yeah. of training camp. So uh, a feather there in the cap for Dallin Hayden as he gets rolling in his career. Uh, from the four or five periods that we got to watch out there uh, viewing, what stood out to you today, Berm? 
the we talked about this a little bit earlier in the day off camera. Like the aggression on the offensive line seems to be ratcheted mm. up uh, a few <laughs> so. a yeah. few notches. Um, it was fun to watch. It wasn't fun to be an offensive line. Yeah, I don't imagine that the young guys are were entirely enjoying it as much as we were on the sideline. But um, I think it's just speaking to the serious nature of how Justin Fry. And Mike Solian and these guys are taking this. Like, you have an opportunity to be a really great offensive line group, and so much of that is going to be about just your attitude and your desire to to make sure you're physically dominating on every play. And any moment that these guys take a breath, they're being jumped on, and that, that is different than than previous years. It sure was. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I was not watching them on. Friday. I did watch them on Thursday, and you could tell the intensity was ratcheted up. It sounds like you guys maybe got a little I, bit, yeah. a little bit so, more intense. So than Bill watched the offense on Thursday, and then we switched roles today. So I got to go stand around over there and listen to the unedited and raw footage uh, in person of Mike and, and Justin Fry. There, it was very entertaining. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, like it has to be. They weren't good enough last year, and and like this offense, this offense was number one in the country in a lot of areas. But I did not feel like it reached its max potential because mostly the offensive line did it. And that group has to do that if this team wants to win a national championship this year. And like Justin Fry knows the task at hand. He goes about it maybe a little differently than, than his predecessor <laughs> in getting in getting the point across. But that's not a bad All that matters is the results. So if that's the way that Justin Fry well, can get let's results, not be, I mean, Greg Stadrara did yell quite yeah, a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I, I, he's wonder if, volume. I wonder if it's because those two guys just have like actual voices still. And so maybe that's what we can hear them. Yeah. And Stud was but there's a difference whisper also. yelling it out. There, there's a difference in that when you're watching Justin Fry do this, He's yelling, and all of the profanity is included, which, you know, whatever. They, they're used to it. They're big yeah. boys. They, they can right. handle it. But he's then able to then show them physically what to do on the drill. And I think, like, immediately I see guys getting it because he's then showing them, okay, don't. He's not just telling them. Yeah. He's showing them. And I think that that makes a big difference for these young guys who are saying, I don't really see what you're talking about. And then he does it, yeah. and it makes a big difference. You know, I saw multiple times on Friday where a younger offensive lineman was – instructed to do something, shown how to do something, and then immediately praised afterwards. So it wasn't just like, you know. wasn't all negative. Right. Um, got to have a carrot and a stick out there, I believe. Yeah. Um, I got a closer look at the full uh, set of reps for C.J. Stroud during those opening periods today, and I can report that he's still very good at football. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's, he, it's he a would, fact. He it was, was crisp. It was a show. I just I think that it's uh, – it's a treat. You already know what he can do in game settings. He's a Heisman Trophy finalist coming back. But just to watch him work and the approach throughout those practices, every th- virtually every throw that I saw was pinpoint, right where it needed to be, great timing. Um, he, he may have missed on one where uh, the receiver that was involved in that ran the route a little bit differently than they thought, so that ball did. It's not like no balls hit the ground during those drills, but you could see – that same arm strength, I think it might, might even be a little bit more impressive as as you would expect after another year of, of working out and getting stronger in the weight room. Uh, timing good, accuracy very strong. I just, it was fun to watch him do that just because he's a rare, rare talent at quarterback. Yeah, I, I thought even in the spring there was a noticeable kind of like increased zip on the ball with him. And I saw, I was watching him on Thursday. You were watching him on Friday. I think you see that here too. I actually, when we were in here for student appreciation, I had the spring like stood directly behind him and like, was like kind of like a, almost like a pocket view of the offense. It was kind of cool, but man, the ball, I mean, it jumps out of his hand. And, and in a way, like, I don't, if you were list, list the strengths of CJ Stroud, I don't like pure, just like zip on the ball. It's probably not super high up on that list, but it does seem like it's something he's improved this year. I think that what's interesting with CJ and 
I, I asked him a little bit about this in Indianapolis, but he was so good with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. The timing that he had with those guys was unbelievable. Yeah. And it is going to take an adjustment for these younger receivers that haven't been in that top group for him to get that sort of comfort. And so it, you might see a day or two out here where the timing feels a little off or or, or Keon Grays may run a route differently than uh, Garrett Wilson would have. And so watching CJ kind of traverse that course to becoming a, a Heisman-level quarterback when you have to bring guys up is, I think, one of the more interesting subplots of this next four weeks because mm-hmm. he has to get those guys to be Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave level because otherwise you're going to see a drop-off by no fault of his own. So um, to me, that's one of the things where you watch it and you go, man, timing's a little different, but that's maybe not a C.J. Stroud problem. That's a you know offensive problem because you're replacing – two top 12 picks in the NFL draft. On the second day of training camp. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, Bill, you spent more time, as we said, watching the defense today. What did you take away from that? Yeah, the, the biggest thing was, as we were being uh, graciously escorted out of, out of practice, as we as we typically are after the fourth period, you know, you, you kind of like turn around, <laughs> kind of turn around and walk backwards to see what's what going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, as, as, as we were doing that, they, they jumped real quick into an 11-on-11 uh, kind of teaching period and, and got a very, very quick glimpse of of what today on the second day of camp was the first team defense. Obviously, that can change many times over. Mm, tell me about what you saw. The camp, but on the defensive line, <laughs> JT Tuimolowau. I mean, he's not there, sir? Oh, he's, uh, yeah. How about Boy, that? I made a bad observation That's yesterday. Right. Wow. Idiot. Uh, Tyleek Williams. Huh? I'll jump to the other end, Jack Sawyer, because the most interesting guy that was in there <laughs> was Ty Hamilton. Okay. Don't. People who watch the podcast daily might have got a hint that that could be uh, a possibility. You know, maybe it's just pure coincidence. We talked about him yesterday on this in, in this same exact show. Like, something about Ty Hamilton seems to be flashing. The other seven were... What you what you would expect, yeah. No no surprises there. And again, well, maybe the back seven won't change. But I think that there's some room for movement on, on that defensive line. Case in point, Ty Hamilton. I don't think anybody coming into this camp I didn't think it would be this there. quick, no. Yeah, certainly not. You, you think about the, the, the two older guys and the two second-year guys before you think about Ty. But, again, like Ty, Ty's a guy that I think has turned heads since he showed up here on campus. And if this is now his time to sort of come into his own, that timeline kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, a little bit uh, faster progress than Devon made. But yeah. you know that the, the And it's not even strong. necessarily a knock on Teron Vincent or, or Jaron no. Cage. I mean, you might just be looking for a certain spark. You may be... Just, you know, the ties, the ties have it, right? And the Jaron and Tehran's are not on yet. So maybe you just wait. You just, and to me, depth is never a problem, right? Like the no. more guys you have that can play, the better your team's going to be. So as you watch, and you talked about it yesterday with the linebackers, like Taraja Mitchell, if he can emerge and, and be the player that we thought he was going to be as a freshman, great. <laughs> you know, like there, there shouldn't be a problem there. Yeah. Uh, find then you find ways to get him on the field, and and you get, you want players like that to step up. Taraja, you know, think about that class of linebackers you came in with with Dallas Gant and and uh, Kayvon Pope. Like Taraja's the last man standing, and he clearly wants to be here. So you hope that this is the year that he does that, and so you don't have to rely on Chip Training, who you guys also talked about on the podcast daily yeah. on Friday, like. Whoever's going to step up, I and mean, I talked to Chip briefly walking off the field, and he said, I'm just doing whatever I can to be the guy. Yeah. And so if everyone has that attitude, so obviously it's only day two, no one's getting downtrodden and, and in the dumps about, oh, I'm not getting enough reps. I mean, everyone understands that 
it's a process. So Ty Hamilton today does this means nothing for Ty Hamilton Monday. That's right. Those are Friday's snap judgments. So two day two days into camp. Up next uh, in terms of media availability, hotel check in, baby. Ooh, yeah. Everyone's favorite uh, Sunday afternoon. The podcast uh, will be there, and Bill and I will also be representing rivals for dotting the eyes. If you want to take advantage of a free month there, your clock is ticking. You need to get it by tomorrow. So or here on YouTube, where the podcast is always free. So you could just also stay here also and then go there. Both. Thanks. You can do a lot of things. Thanks for undercutting the hard sell there. Berm. All right. You guys can do anything you want, man. Yeah, they can do. And I hope that they do. And I hope they enjoyed Snap, Snap Judgments with Bill Landis, Berm, and myself, Austin Ward. We will be with you throughout camp, of course, and we'll see you Sunday for hotel check-in.